This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, so let's continue with the, the series we're doing about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, this morning we're going to speak about the gift of discernment. So we've been speaking about 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, as we uh, say, um, it's going to be real this morning. It's going to be real this morning. Are you ready for real? Okay. Because uh, real lives at stake. So I'm going to share some stories. It's going to make it a little bit uncomfortable, maybe. Hallelujah. So put your seatbelts on. Hold tight. Don't freak out on me. Okay. And if you... Um, if you, if you if you're new to this Christian thing, it's going to be maybe a bit of an eye opener, um, but uh, it's good. Amen. Okay, so let me pray and then I'm going to share with you guys. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you want to give us eyes to see, to discern. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that is here this morning to bring freedom to every life, to every heart, to every mind. Lord, we pray this morning, let your kingdom come in us, in Jesus' name. And may every darkness, every confusion, every lie leave in Jesus' name. So Lord, have your way. Let your truth come and set us free. And let the name of Jesus Christ be glorified. Amen. Amen. So... A few share stories. I don't have time to really build a solid theology around uh, evil in this world. So I'm just going to share a few stories to uh, to illustrate. So uh, beginning of this year, we were doing an evangelistic crusade in Cambridge com- community, and um, it was uh, it's quite intense because you you come into a community that it spiritually is quite dark, bound by a lot of stuff, poverty and alcoholism and a lot of a lot of challenges. So so as we came in, it's like you are. It's like the kingdom of light is clashing with the kingdom of darkness. You know, we come in to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and and He is above every other power. And obviously, in in that community, there's a lot of witchcraft involved and uh, um, witch doctors and whatever else. So obviously, they are wanting to protect their environment, their spiritual territory in that sense. And so um, I think it was the Sunday night. We had six nights that we were ministering there. And on the Sunday evening after the first night, we had an awesome night in Cambridge. And I came back at home and I was like, at some point around nine o'clock, I felt, man, something's weird. It's like something is in the house. But I couldn't put my finger on it. It was like really uncomfortable. And so we got into bed, Sonic and I, and we wanted to now to sleep. And yo, I'm rolling around. And next moment, my arm hits the lamp of the lamp of the bed lamp thing next to my bed. And, uh, um, and I'm like, whoa, you know, it's just something's not lacquer. You know, I can just feel in the spirit something isn't right. And around uh, quarter to ten, I think Sonica looked up and she pointed to the ceiling and she said, something's coming through the roof. So I could feel it. She could see it. You know, and I was glad that we knew because then I could, then, then we prayed together and we took authority over this 
demonic entity that has come into our house. And we said, get out in Jesus' name. You have no authority. You have no rights in our home. And then we turned around and we slept like a dream. Glory. But we had to have discernment to discern there's something not right so that we could walk in our authority. So, hey, you, you, out. Come on, say out. Ah, I like to say that. I really enjoy saying out. Out in Jesus' name. You know, but the, the, there's, the, there's a real spirit war raging around us. And the biggest mistake you and I can make is to think there isn't a war. There isn't a war raging. There isn't evil in this world. If God is real, well, then the devil's real. Then angels are real and demons are real. And, and, and these entities have a mission to destroy our lives. That's the mission. The devil's mission is to destroy your life. And we're seeing it in our society. Not necessarily that a demon manifested before you, but how do we see it? We see it when people are tempted to do wrong stuff and we find divorces happening and pain and hatred and anger and, and just as Gareth and Yanni shared, broken families because what? The enemy got in there, into those homes. And so the enemy wants to destroy our lives, wants to destroy our kids. So on Friday night, I spoke to the youth and and I was sharing a little bit about these things. And I, I asked them, guys, so how many of you are hearing voices that are telling you to do bad things? You know how many hands went up? Basically, all the hands went up of all the youth from grade 5 to grade 11. They are all in the midst of a spirit war. But we are living as if there's nothing happening. We're living as if there is no one making crazy decisions that's destroying their lives. We are living in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, as if everything is just wonderful. And yes, in Jesus, things are wonderful, but there's a real battle raging. And I want to stir you this morning to, to wake up to the reality of these entities that wants to destroy your life, wants to destroy your family, wants to destroy your marriage, wants to destroy your kids. And how does the enemy work? He's subtle. He whispers. He's sly. He just plants a seed and then he waits a bit. Then he plants another seed. And then as you take and you start meditating upon those negative things or those temptations, then it begins to lead you off track. And ultimately the result is a lot of damage, a lot of pain. You know, so some people don't believe in the spirit realm. Don't believe that these things are real. You see, we can see the fruit of these things in, in, in our world. But I, I, it's almost like somebody saying, I don't believe in super sport. I don't believe it. I mean, how does this work? There's like these, these so-called signals going through the air, but I don't see it. And I sit in my house, and I hear the people shouting next door, Yeah! As some so-called box score try, which is rubbish. I don't believe it, because I can't see it. Now, how, how, how do you know there's super sport? How do you know that you need a decoder? So you need a decoder to decode the signals so that it can then be come out in a format that can be projected on the TV. And then you see, go poker. Okay. So, so you need the decoder, and that decoder is the gift of discernment. 
And how that manifests then, uh, sometimes you see visions in your mind's eye. That's like the, 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 the picture on your imagination is like the TV screen. And the Holy Spirit paints on, that, on your imagination. Or sometimes you just feel, man, something is not right. Discernment. Okay? So we're going to look at how can we ignite the gift of discernment. The discerning of spirits. The, 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 the starting point is you need to know there's a, it's real. So that you can say, God, I want to I wanna be aware of what's happening around me. I don't want to be naive. I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be a sucker. I don't want to be tricked by the enemy. I want to know what's, what's happening around me. Okay, so how do these demonic spirits, it's a very short amount of time to go into the detail, but how do they function? How do they operate? Demonic spirits are liars. The enemy's a liar. He comes. So how it basically works is the enemy comes and tempts us. It puts things like emotions or thoughts or something. It just plants that seed to tempt you, to lead you astray. But then ultimately what these things do, they amplify the flesh. Come on, say amplify the flesh. Okay, what's the flesh? The flesh is your sinful nature. Before you come to Christ, you have... No resistance, basically. You, 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 just, you, you have no desire to be holy and pure in general. You know? you, um, your sinful nature is the, the, the want to do wrong the whole time. If God says um, uh, love, the sinful nature storms to, well, they want to be angry and want to hate. If, the, if God says, hey, here's a line, there's a line. Don't go over that line. It's like telling a three-year-old, do not go over that line. What's going to happen? The three-year-old storms all the way to the line and then looks. Because the flesh wants to go over the line. So whatever God says to us, do not do that. There's a boundary, a healthy boundary. Don't do it. Your flesh will storm all the way to that and then it wants to go over it. That's how the flesh works. The flesh is like, it's part of our uh, birth in the sense of, it's part of our DNA. We're born in sin. Okay, so then you have the sinful nature. But then when you come to Jesus, when you commit your life to Christ, you are born again of God of above, no longer of the earth. Your sinful nature dies in Christ. It's dead. Come on, say it's dead. Okay, it's dead. It died with Jesus. Now you are in the Holy Spirit. You desire to do what is right and you have the power to do what is right because God empowers you. Okay, but now what happens is, is the enemy comes and tempts you because he wants to awaken the flesh again. He wants to resurrect the old flesh again. So he plants seeds of temptation, and then you start feeding the flesh. And as you start feeding the flesh, the flesh becomes stronger and stronger and stronger until you have no more resistance, and then you go down the wrong path to hate, to lust, to fear, whatever it might be. The enemy, the flesh awakens, and then the enemy amplifies the flesh. In other words, the, 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 the enemy doesn't tempt you in an area that's not your weakness. He tempts you where you are weak, and then he wants to amplify that weakness. Let's say you have a bit of fear in your heart already, in your life already. Then the enemy comes and he's going to multiply. He's going to amplify the fear. He's going to increase that fear. So it overwhelms you until you find yourself in a place of having panic attacks, and you have to get onto antidepressants or pills or whatever else it is to, to, to calm down. The enemy amplifies, amplifies the flesh. So that's very important to understand. So the, the original fear maybe or the original lust, whatever, it might just be your flesh, but the enemy amplifies it. And that's when things get crazy. That's when you start doing things you don't want to do. 
that's when you are led into, into trouble in whatever area of your life. So when I was around 10, 11 years old, my parents divorced all chaos in our home. And I, my, my dad moved out and uh, I sometimes visited at his place, but there were other people there as well. It was, it was messy. It was like bare, wrong people. It was a real, real mess up. And I remember the one time I, the people were brying outside and something. I was in the house. I was 10, 11 years old. And then I was a bit bored. I didn't know what to do with myself. And then I heard a voice speak to me. The voice said to me, like a thought that went through my head, look under the bed. Look under the bed. I'm like, that's random. So I think, okay. So I looked under the bed and I found pornography magazines under the bed. 10 years old, 11 years old. I remember opening these magazines and the next month, I've never seen, I was, I was protected, I didn't know anything about these things. I opened these things up and I saw this and I remember this, my heart starting to race and then something coming on me. Spirit came on me. For the next eight years, I was addicted to this rubbish until I turned to Christ at the age of 18. But can you see what happened there? The enemy comes and says, hey, hey, look under the bed. Let me expose you to something. Hey, go click on that site. Hey, watch that horror movie. Because it's fun to be scared. Stupid. Because <laughs> that also happened to me. I was nine years old. I went to a camp with a whole lot of young people. And then we watched movies. And then the one movie was a horror movie. I couldn't sleep for three months because evil entered in. It was terrible. I still sometimes say, out in Jesus' name. I remember those images. You know, it, it, it caused a process where you'd see things that aren't there. You know, and you run and you jump onto your bed because what could be under there? False emotions, false thoughts. It's not real. But you feel it's real. You're terrified. I'm dying. Or it's a lie. But the enemy wants to eat plants false Things in our hearts and minds because ultimately he wants to destroy us. He wants us to be terrified. He wants us to be filled with lust. He wants us to hate. He wants us to be bound by alcohol and addictions. He, but he, he just plants the seed and then he says, there, take it. And when you take it and when you commit that sin, it opens a door and he steps in. And then it amplifies the flesh. It becomes this addictive process of pain and destruction. And you can't solve it if you don't solve the spiritual side of things. You can have pills until the end of your days. It's not going to solve it. You're just dealing with the fruit. You're not dealing with the root. And just getting the, the, the spiritual thing out is not going to solve it because you need to get healing in your heart. You need to have truth in your mind and heart. You need to think differently. You need to see yourself differently. Because the enemy comes and he brings shame. And he brings all other, a whole lot lot of stuff into your life and then it builds a little like a fortress on the inside of you and then these things live in you around you until you expose them and you realize this is nonsense i'm not going to be i am not a fearful person you see because the enemy wants to say tell you you're fearful that's you the enemy wants to tell you you become that thing you are lustful you are full of this this is who you are no you're a child of god 
if you've committed your life to Christ, and therefore you're a saint, and therefore you are washed pure and clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. On Friday night, while we were worshiping with the youth, the Holy Spirit said to me, the enemy is whispering in these children's ears. I want to say to the morning, the enemy is doing the same with you. And you need to be aware, because the enemy wants to tempt you, and he wants to destroy you. Ah, amen. Good preaching. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, we're having a good morning. I told you it's going to be real this morning. It's going to be real. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. It says, To another the working of miracles is a gift of the Spirit. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. It says, To another discerning of spirits. The gift of being able to discern spirits. Things that's happening around your environment. To be aware of what is happening. So discernment is a powerful tool to bring freedom to others, either to yourself or to others. Because it shows you, hey, something's going down here. This looks just natural, but there's something spiritual behind it. That's not always. You know, sometimes it's like uh, there's a natural disease. It's a natural disease. Nothing spiritual. Somebody's sick. Nothing spiritual. But sometimes there's something spiritual behind it. The cause of the sickness is something spiritual. And discernment gives you the ability to know so that you can solve it. Okay, so Philippians 1 verse 9 speaks about love. It speaks about discernment. And it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Okay, so it's saying... I'm, I'm trusting that your love may abound. I mean, that's, that, that is the main theme of the Word of God. It's about love. It's about loving people. It's about loving God. It's about love. And it says, may your love abound. But it does not say, let your love be naive. It does not say, let be gullible. It does not say, don't see what's going down. It says, with knowledge and with discernment. So imagine this for a moment, a dad with a 16-year-old daughter. And he says, honey, I love you. I love you so much, I'm going to give you no boundaries. I love you so much, I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do, because I love you. Is that love? No. A healthy dad's like, I'm going to give you a boundary, because I know what boys, I know how boys think. I are one. <laughs> That's a joke. So I, I, I am one. I know how boys think. I'm gonna, I want to protect you. I'm going to give you boundaries. I want to say, you need to be back at 10 or 9 at night. And no, you're not going to go out with those boys. They trouble. I don't even need discernment to see that. <laughs> so you're not going with them. I love you. Yes, no, don't do that lip with me. No. I love you. Say it. I love you. <laughs> a loving dad will give healthy boundaries. It is love that abounds with knowledge and discernment. In the same way, it is God Almighty is a loving father and he loves you and me. And so he puts down healthy boundaries in his word. He says, guys, this is what I, this is what I expect of you. This is the healthy environment that you are to 
to dwell within. No, you can't go run in front of the truck. The truck's going to kill you. So these are healthy boundaries because I love you. Now what happens is, especially in, um, in circles where we pursue the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, you know, sometimes people think then that means anything goes. There are no boundaries. There are no, 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 the commands of God are still there. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it's the fear of God, holy fear of dad, righteous. I know I mustn't mess with my dad. He's going to ground me for a month. So I'm not going to sneak out through the window. Okay, so that's a healthy, healthy fear. So there are some basics. If we, if we want our love to abound, we need to have knowledge and discernment. Knowledge of the will of God and also discernment, able to discern what's happening around us. Okay, so look at this, James 4 verse 7. It speaks about this as well, about the, the knowledge component. It says there, therefore, submit to God. Come on, say submit. It's like a cuss word sometimes. Sub, submit. Submit to God. In other words, humble yourself according to His will. No, 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 you can't make up new scriptures. No, you can't interpret it in the way you want to. What is it saying? For instance, one of the things the Word of God says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Do not. Submitting to God is like, I need to get to church. I need to get into community. I need to connect with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to obey the Lord. I need to submit to His will so that I can be safe and protected. I need to be under authority. I need to be accountable. I need to allow people to speak into my life. No, I can't walk on my own and do my own thing because that's foolishness. No, I need to be wise. I need to hear what my Father is saying to me. So the first bit says, therefore submit to God. Humble yourself and allow His Word to speak to you. Obey. And then it says, resist the devil. Because then you have confidence. I'm submitting my will to God, to holiness, to purity, to, to love, to forgiveness. I'm submitting my will to the king's will. And then I have confidence. Devil out. Out of my house. Let go of my kids. Don't mess with them. So this is resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come on, let's read this together. Let's say, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, so the first is submission part, then the resisting part. You can't live a life contrary to God's will and then think you have authority. If you're blatantly disobeying God's will, you have no authority to tell the enemy to go jump. So purity, holiness, is a non-negotiable. We need to submit our hearts, our beings to the Lord. Now, when it comes to discernment, and this is one of the most difficult things, your ability to discern depends on the state of your heart. Let me say that again. Your ability to discern depends on the state of your heart. So what happens is you would be uh, in a church environment and maybe you get hurt. Leaders Another believer, somebody, but they, they disappoint you, they offend you, they hurt you. The result is you take it to your heart. And your heart becomes the filter through which you discern. 
And when your heart is wounded, it clouds your discernment. So suddenly you are like, man, I am so anti-religion. I am so anti-institutional church. It's so oppressive. I discern them. These terrible leaders, pastors, that just wants to oppress you and step on you and hurt you. I'll never allow them to do that again. I'm over church. Can you see the progression? <laughs> you get hurt. Then your discernment is filtered through your woundedness. And all you can see is when you see church leader, you see oppression. And you can't see that it's someone that loves you and trying to help you and give you maybe healthy boundaries. Are you seeing? So a, a while ago, I was in a, in a meeting uh, with some of our guys in church. And, and as I was talking, and I, I was just sharing, and I realized, man, I'm not feeling well. I'm, I'm like, I feel morbid. I feel a bit depressed and heavy. Suddenly I was fine, and suddenly I feel a, a, a heavy and heaviness in my heart and, and, and life. And, and as I was sharing, I was just like, I don't like what's coming out of my mouth even. It's like frustrated. It's, I'm like, whoo. Something's wrong. It's like as I was speaking and as I was sharing, I realized something is wrong with my heart. And so I took it to the Lord afterwards and I prayed about it. And I realized, you know, in the months before that, I received a whole lot of criticism from a whole lot of people. It was just like, like punches on the inside. Like, bah, bah. Just shot upon shot upon shot. Criticism upon criticism upon criticism. And I realized... Every one of us have a threshold. You have a threshold of how many shots you can take. You have a threshold. Someone gives you a punch. They say something negative about you at work. And you are ow. You know, but over the next week, you spend time with God. And the Lord heals your heart again. And then now you're feeling, I'm feeling fine again. You get another punch. Ow. You know. And so you take it back to God. And he, he heals you again. And, and so you're fine. But now if you get 20 punches in the one week. On the inside, like criticisms and critical stuff and things breaking you down. You go over a threshold, then your heart begins to be damaged. And when it gets damaged, then it begins to influence your discernment. You move into the flesh. You disconnect from the spirit. You move into the flesh. And then it starts becoming your perspective on everybody around you. So you need to be aware, and I, I believe that's part of the, what that scripture speaks. You, your love needs to abound with knowledge, with discernment. In other words, you need to evaluate yourself. It's like what I did after that meeting. I went to the Lord. I went just quiet, every, quiet everything down. I just spent time with God and said, Lord, what's going on? And then the Lord revealed to me, you've gone over a threshold. Too much criticism. Too much, too many voices. Too many voices. Too many voices. And so when you become silent and still, then you can, okay, God, help me understand. And then the Lord revealed to me, your heart has been wounded. So over the next four or five days, I just shut down all other voices. And I was just like, Lord, spending time with God, spending time at his feet, allowing him to heal and to restore my heart. Because I know if I don't deal with this, I'm going to become the next bitter, angry church leader, which they are of, unfortunately. But I don't want to be that. 
So I need to deal with it. And so you also need to deal. I think there are more bitter, angry saints in the pews than there are preachers in the pulpit. Amen. Because we, we're forced to deal with our stuff. Otherwise, we can't bring the word. So you need to evaluate your heart. What have you been through? Have you dealt with it? Because if you haven't dealt with it, it's going to cloud your discernment. It's going to cloud your judgment. It's going to influence the way you see things around you. Okay, your discernment gets influenced. So another important point. Discernment should never stand on its own. It should always partner with the other gifts. Okay, so as I say, discernment helps you to say, say you're praying for somebody. And as you're praying for them, the Holy Spirit reveals to you, man, this guy or this lady, she's battling with something. Say, there's a spirit of fear. She's not, she doesn't only have fear in her life. There is a spirit of fear influencing this person. So how do you deal with that? You tell them, hey, I see you have a demon. <laughs> that is probably not the best way to do it. It's more something like, hey, are you battling with fear? Are you tormented with fearful thoughts? So you ask the question because you could miss it. You don't want to put something on someone. Hey, I see you have a demon. You know, you're like, hey, are you battling with this thing in your life? Is there something like this influencing you? And then you can start walking a journey with that person to, to see them to be set free. But you can't stop there. You can't just say, hey, I discern there's a demon. No, you need to partner with the other gifts. There are four other gifts that needs to partner with discernment. What happens is if you only move in discernment, you're just going to see evil everywhere. I discern that show. I discern that person. Man, my boss definitely has demons. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that's not healthy. Okay, so you don't want to just see evil everywhere. It's just not healthy. So you want to partner with God. It says your love must abound. And it just doesn't feel loving if you're continuously going around telling people they're demons, 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 and seeing evil, 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 and the Antichrist behind every other thing. It is just not, doesn't feel very loving. Okay. So love abounds with knowledge and with discernment and then partnering with these gifts. Prophecy. So you're praying with somebody and you discern maybe there's something influencing them with something negative. Now you need to ask God, God, but who do you say they are? Let's say somebody's battling with a spirit of lust. There is sin in their lives and a lot of shame. And it's destructive. And the poor person, the head is dropping because he or she really wants to honor God. And they know their lifestyle is not honoring God. So the shame and the guilt that is on them, it is disconnecting them from God. And now you say, well, you have a demon. Yes, I know, I'm bad. Does that lead to freedom? No, that doesn't lead to freedom. It's like, hey, I see something's influencing. We're going to deal with it now. But who does God say you are? Who does God say you are? The Lord looks at you. Your heavenly Father looks at you. And He looks into the future. And He sees a holy man of God that brings glory to Jesus Christ. That is who you are. And so we renounce these lies of the enemy that's bringing the shame and the guilt and the condemnation that's disconnecting you from God. We release truth over your heart and life. The truth is that the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than the worst sins this world has ever seen. Amen. So when you turn to Jesus and He washes you clean, it is as if you never did it. He looks at you and He looks at you through the eyes of 
Christ or the blood of the Lamb. And he looks at you and he says, man, you're my child. I love you. There's nothing that you can do that would cause you to disconnect from me or cause me to hate you or reject you. I love you. I'm your loving father. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm your loving father and I want to help you to be set free. One of the biggest lies the enemy whispers is, you're not good enough. God's angry with you. You've done too much sin. He's rejecting you. You cannot come back. You've done it too many times. There is no redemption for you. That's what the enemy often, I've said to people, said, there's no redemption for me. It's too bad. I'm like, really? Are you that special? <laughs> that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for billions of people, but not for you? Rubbish. I expose that lie in Jesus' name. You are not defined by your past. You are not defined by the wrong things you've done. You are defined by the love of your heavenly Father. And He looks at you and He celebrates you. He looks at you and says, I love you. I'm excited about you. I have a plan for your life. Come on. Let's do this together. Let's break out of this cycle of destruction. Let's lead you into freedom. Amen. And then you bring freedom to others as well. Don't go through hell for nothing. It's always about bringing freedom to others as well. But prophecy is about seeing who the person really is. And you don't look at somebody through their sins. You look at them through the blood of the Lamb. And through what God is saying. Prophecy. Secondly, knowledge. Sometimes the, the word of knowledge is you're praying with somebody. So you need to get to the root issue. Sometimes we pray with people and there's so much shame. There's darkness on their souls. They're being tormented by the enemy. And then as we pray for them, the Holy Spirit says, she was molested. Then we would ask, hey, were you molested when you were young? Yes. Let's get to the root. Let's forgive that man or that person that did that to you. And then devil out. That was the entry point, but now we remove your access, we remove your legal access, get out in Jesus' name. So you need to get to the root. You need, where's the access point? What happened? Where, where was that damage that came to the heart or to, to the life? Um, the one time I was praying with a lady, she's a pastor, and uh, she said every time she sort of enters worship, she feels this coldness coming upon her. And uh, as I was praying, and I prayed for her, and, and as I was praying for her, the Lord said to me, she was raped. She was raped. And I'm like, ooh. And then the Lord, instead of me saying you were raped, the Lord gave me a prophetic word about how much he loves her. And she was just weeping and weeping and weeping. As God was touching her, his love was touching her. And then she said she was raped by a family friend. But God brought freedom. Amen. That's the word of knowledge. So you need to ask when you're praying for somebody, or even when you're praying for yourself, saying, Lord, what is, why am I battling with this nonsense? The porn isn't the issue. There's something else that's the issue. The, the fear isn't the main issue. The issue is maybe I, I, I was, my, my, my dad, uh, when I was small, my dad rejected me or something. And I, I just really battle. I struggle to trust Father God. And the good news, you're not a victim of the past. God can heal that and restore that and make you new. Amen. Wisdom would be how to now move forward. How to, what are your steps to freedom? Next steps to walk into freedom and to overcome. And then lastly, faith. Supernatural. The gift 
of faith to see somebody set free right now. I've prayed for so many people. And as I prayed, the power and the kingdom of God comes and you can literally see something leaves them. And they say, oh, it's out. And I feel peace and joy for the first time in years. I know some of us is a challenge, but it's true. Okay. So the gift of faith is like in that moment when you pray for somebody, it's like God's faith comes upon you and you just know out in Jesus' name. There's authority here right now. So on Thursday night, we went to Freya Hospital and uh, we do it once a month. and It's epic. You really need to join us. It is so special. So we went into the one I felt, me and Yonela felt the same. Go right. So we first felt where the Holy Spirit leads us. Right. So we went all the way. Right, 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 right to the back of the back of that ward. And uh, so then I prayed with the one guy. And as I was praying for him, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, don't pray for healing. Just lead him to Jesus because he has no clue about the gospel. So I started to share with him. I said, going to heaven if you would have died from this car accident? He said, yes, I would go to heaven. Because people say, everybody goes to heaven, don't they? they well, not really. Um, <laughs> explain the gospel. No, you're not really a good person. Only, you know, only Jesus is good. We all have lied or have lusted or have stolen something or have done something wrong. We all have sinned. No one is good enough. All of us are ultimately lost. But Jesus. So anyway, led the guy to Jesus. It was beautiful. And then I went to the back and there was this guy, car accident, I think. And he had a neck brace. Um, so he couldn't move his neck at all. And his arm was also very painful. Couldn't move his neck at all in, his, in, the, in the arm. So anyway, so as I was stood next to the bed, suddenly the gift of faith just came on me. It was just like the atmosphere shifted. It's like God's in the house. It's like heaven came down. God is here now. And we said, in Jesus' name, be healed. Let the kingdom of God come right now. So anyway, arm was 100% healed, praise God. The neck was 80% healed. And he was moving his neck around like... It's a miracle. It's a miracle. So anyway, I, got, I went back the next afternoon because 80% is not good enough. <laughs> I want to pray for another guy. And I prayed with him. And the power of God came upon that bed to such an extent that this man started to shake. I've never seen this. His body started to shake. The whole bed started to shake. And then he was completely healed. Praise God. Give Jesus praise for that. Amen. God is real. That's why I'm sharing the story. I want to stir your faith. In this week, I, I read on, on the news that a well-known um, music uh, worship leader, songwriter, Marty Sampson from Hillsongs, Hillsongs United, he renounced the faith. He renounced the faith. And in his Twitter thing, he says, why? Because I don't see miracles. I'm like, dude, come spend a week with me. Please. And I don't believe the Bible is true because of all the, all the whatevers. And I'm like, man, there are so many answers to every question. But I tell you, in his case, without knowing the detail, I tell you, the enemy has been sowing seeds of doubt in his life for years. And that became a stronghold, a fortress on the inside. So now the truth can't get in anymore because there's more than enough evidence. But a spirit of unbelief will kill your faith. And so we need to be aware of this. And we need to fight for our children. Parents, man, we need to fight for our children. You need to contend for your kids. 
What's the point of having good grades, but they renounce the faith at the age of 18 or 19? You have the ability, the power, the authority, even with our son. I'm like, you have, my boy, you're going to go to youth Friday night as you go to school in the week. Because I want you to encounter Jesus. Come on, parents. Have a bit of guts, authority. Be a parent. Get your kids to youth. Get them to kids' church. Get them where they can encounter God. We don't want to do like a babysitting thing in this church. We want to show them God is real. We don't want Marty Sampson's one day. Although the worship part is cool. <laughs> oh, I'm just feeling I'm just so stirred this Friday evening with the young people. Man, they were so touched. Just weeping as God was touching them. Praying with this one young man. Ah. Oh, He's grade 8, if you have to hear the stories and the stuff that is involved in his grade 8. Let us not miss it, with our own kids at least. Amen. Come on, say it, I'm not going to miss it. Come on, say I'm going to fight for my children. The fight is real. And parents, you have a responsibility before God. To fight for them, to pray for them, to, to have communion with them, to take authority over your home. How many times we've prayed with our son uh, when he had those bad dreams or nightmares and we pray because we know it's the enemy trying to get in. On Friday night I asked the young people, who's having bad dreams? Almost all of them raised their hands. Because the enemy wants to come in at night when he can't come in during the day. He wants to plant seeds of fear. You must hear some of the stories these young people are sharing. The enemy is trying to lead them astray. You need to pray. You need to pray for your children. You need to take authority. Amen. So discernment, ending off, just want to say, discernment, our ability to discern correctly, depends on the state of our hearts. We need to deal with the state of our heart. If you've, if you've been offended or hurt in church, and you're anti-leaders, anti-authority, that is a dangerous sign. That is a dangerous sign. You need to deal with it. You need to bring that before God. Chris Valentin says about the gift of discernment, the gift of discernment anointed by the spirit of fear leads to suspicion. If you're afraid of getting hurt, your discernment will be anointed by a spirit of fear, and you'll be suspicious of people. Don't trust people. Don't trust Christians. Don't trust leaders. Be aware of those things that will influence you. So I just want to end over this, just mention these five things. Stepping into freedom, growing the gift of discernment. Number one, wake up. It's a real fight. So on Friday night, I was saying, I started by saying, guys, there's a spirit war. And these two girls, they like, ha, 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 ha. And then I started to share a few stories. Like, okay, we're in a spirit war. We didn't know. We didn't know. But it's real. Wake up. Don't be passive. Wake up to the reality. There's a war raging. And therefore you need to move closer to God. Secondly, ask God to heal your heart. If you've been wounded, if you've been hurt, if you tend to isolate yourself, if you tend to continuously be separate from Christian community, you are blatantly disobeying God. Ask God to heal your heart because it will distort your discernment. Stop running around being busy, busy, busy. Do you know what happens is? So you get hurt, we watch a series. You get more hurt, 
I watch a romantic series <laughs> to cover, to cover it up. No, turn the TV off and be, get quiet and go sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I'm not going to medicate my pain with series or other things or alcohol or whatever else. No, God, heal my heart. I, I must stop running away from God to just heal. Amen. Don't run other places. It will, it will bring destruction. Number three, walk in the light. Share with somebody what's happening. Bad dreams, thoughts, temptations. Enemy wants to dull our senses. You know, walk in the light of what's happening. Number four, you know, pursue God. There's a scripture, Matthew 17, 21, that says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Like, I'm going to fast a day. Can you imagine? You're going to give the devil the shock of his life. Fast a day. Fast and pray. Say, God, I'm so over this torment in my life. I'm so over the fear in my life. I am so over the addictions in my life. I'm so over the lust in my life. I am so over all these things. When you, when you get like really, like say in Afrikaans, that the vag lekker, as je hartvol is. When you are over it, then maybe you're going to get up, step up and do something about it. No, it's not as simple as come to Andre, let me pray for you and everything's fine. No, you need to, you need to follow Jesus. You need to say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to have communion. I'm going to, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Devil, this is my body. This is my marriage. This is my family. Get out. Amen. So you need to be like, like no more. Because that will push you over a line. Well, you're going to walk in your authority and you're going to do what you need to do to be free. Amen. Come on, let's say it's heartful. <laughs> My wife is not excited now. <laughs> Lord, forgive us for our cussing in church. <laughs> but God wants you to be free. Last one, use your authority. So wake up. Ask God to heal you, walk in the light, pursue God as if you mean it, and then use your authority. Come on, let's say it, I have authority. Amen, you do. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.